Are you looking for inspiration? In need of career guidance? Wondering what path successful people take? Listen up. I am Vibha Kagzi, CEO and founder of ReachIV.com, a Harvard alumnus and the author of Break the MBA Code. I'm going to be your host on this weekly show called House of Experts, where you can get an insight into a wide range of career choices directly from industry stalwarts. So buckle up and get ready to take off. How are you doing, doctor? Great. Really, really looking forward to having this chat with you. Okay, terrific. So uh, guys, my pleasure and uh, deep honor to introduce my guest today on House of Experts. Um, as you guys know, we started uh, this series, House of Experts, to bring to you experts from various domains. So you can learn from the journeys of successful people and draw some inspiration from their lives. I'm going to be your host today. My name is Vibha Kagzi, and I'm the founder and chief education officer at ReachIV.com. Uh, my guest today is someone who has really built her expertise and, you know, as they say, gotten her hands dirty. Uh, in the business of uh, producing babies. So she started off as a medical practitioner, uh, did her training here in Mumbai, and then followed it up with uh, extensive training in the United Kingdom. She's going to touch a little bit about that. Uh, She has to her credit, 3000 babies. So get that right, 3000 babies delivered. Um, I wouldn't say single handedly, because I know there would obviously be a supporting team. But uh, 3000 babies, Rajalakshmi, to your credit. She was also voted uh, Best IBF Consultant by the Economic Times in 2017 and uh, Times Power Woman in 2018. Uh, I mean, in addition to all her fabulous accolades, having known Rajalakshmi personally, she is a terrific human being um, and on the lighter side has a great sense of humor and is a wonderful mother to her daughter. So Rajalakshmi, thank you for accepting the invitation to be on the show today. Thank you so much for having me here. Really, okay. really looking forward to this. Okay, terrific. So jumping right into this. So Rajalakshmi, my favorite question you know, I always ask people since you know I run an education organization is to flashback into your early life and talk a little bit about you know your early years and what were you like as a kid? <laughs> um, I was hell to deal with. And uh, my mother will completely testify to that. So, you know, people would think that as a doctor, I would have been really studious and I like, you know, would do things when they were told at the right time and stuff that was not happening. I was really interested in my Star Treks and my comics and stuff. And my mom really had to sit me down. Okay, exams in 20 days. So kindly please sit down and study now. So um, that is how I remember my entire childhood to be. And um, if you ask me, when did I get grounded down? Um, I think the first grounding happened when I realized somewhere inside that I did want to become a doctor. And um, I also realized that becoming a doctor was going to be a lot of hard work. And that's where I think I sort of, you know, stopped, uh, stopped being the procrastinating kid that I was and started getting a little more serious about my studies. Okay, so you're saying uh, grew up naughty, bratty, not into academics. Uh, Absolutely. What, what drew you to medicine? You come from a family of doctors. What, what is the family background? Yeah, so, um, so both my parents do hold a medical degree, okay. uh, but both of them are not practicing doctors. So, you know, I was never exposed to the typical, uh, you know, doctor's family environment. 
um but uh, you know uh, you also met anaka my younger sister so when anaka was a baby um, we have uh, quite a bit of gap between us and uh, to be able to manage two kids and the household and stuff my mom basically decided let us um, let us shift to jj hospital uh, doctors quarters uh, okay. so that it will be it will be easy to manage things and um, as a uh, as a kid in her 6th and 7th standard i actually saw all these medical students with their white coats and these lovely stethoscopes around their head uh, you know uh, around their necks and they looked so smart and i thought oh my god this is like really good so the glamour oh. um, got got into me at that point of time and i thought yeah it like you know really looks good to be a doctor and this is the way i'm going and um, that is where you know i i actually started thinking about medicine uh, seriously Okay. um and somewhere around my 9th standard i sort of buckled down and i thought no this is the time i sort of start putting in efforts in so okay. yeah so so you That's did grow up in that environment you you had the good yes. fortune of having parents from the background having yes. stayed in an hospital environment so so you had those early sort of you know leanings into this uh, yes. field okay great uh, what happened then so you weren't a good student obviously we all know how cutthroat medicine medicine is and especially in india the number of seats are very very few so how did you make that transition and uh, at what stage was this you know i i know that an mbbs is a general degree so you know tell us about that phase and then how did that sort of turn into fertility which is such a like a very very deep specialization so uh, mbbs uh, the uh, you know entry into mbbs itself was not easy um basically i had my dad uh, telling me from very early on uh, the life of a doctor is not easy do you like really want to go down medicine you like having fun in life and you know this is going to be hard work so i had like everybody telling this teenager not to get into medicine and i thought if everybody is saying a no i'm doing that you know so, so, so the reverse psychology yeah. worked on you absolutely and um, then um, getting into medicine obviously as you know was tough because when i got in um, the seats were few we did not have as many medical colleges available um, and um, as luck might have it uh, i ended up being first on waiting list for government hospital and i was getting into uh, you know uh, from various entrances i was getting into the north i was getting into the south and the family decided she's she is not mature enough she is young we are not sending her off at the age of 17 18 to some like strange city and um, i funnily enough took up electronics engineering oh wow okay and i did that for one whole semester i have passed my semester and um, then luckily uh, you know tena medical college uh, opened up as a new college in december Okay. and uh, because i was first on waiting list for the all maharashtra uh, you know uh, waiting um, i was the first person uh, through the government or uh, you know uh, admission to get in there so that's how medicine happened so there was a bit of a wait before even medicine got through i see okay so you you went to engineering and then you sort of found your way back yes. to medicine okay absolutely and i have a question here from sanjeev who says uh, doctor ma'am could you tell us about your medical journey in college flashback to the mbbs what is it like for some of us who haven't been through that what is this whole mbbs hype about it was absolute fun and it was absolute hard work um okay. you know uh, fun because i completely loved what i was doing um start of first mbbs and i fell in love with every subject that i was being taught and i actually found my niche so you know uh, until then becoming a doctor was a dream but when i actually started learning those subjects i knew that i had an aptitude for it and i was good at it too so you know a lot of things i just like understood the logic of it so easily and therefore um the five years of mbbs were a, were a 
thorough, thorough, thorough party for me. And having said that, all all through the five and a half years, I have been to only two parties. So oh, wow. people okay. look at you know people look at the glamour of the of the field and people see that as a doctor once you settle you know the earning potential tends to be good and all those things, uh, but uh, basically it's it's not so. It is a lot of hard work, and if you decide to uh, become a doctor, you need to be able to buckle down um, and give up on a lot of uh, you know fun parties and you know outings and uh, you know um, you have to your your like hobbies take a backseat and all those things. So, okay. so um, you're saying it comes at a yeah. cost. It, yes, know, it and, does. And I, I love that you phrased it like a big party, even though you didn't actually attend any. So for you, just the sheer joy of being in that environment and studying yes. and learning seems to have already culminated into being a party. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. okay, clear, clearly a lot of passion coming through there, doctor, because um, obviously this is not everyone's cup of tea. Okay, what happens next? So you get the MBBS. Yeah. What's so. So uh you know um I'm just going to digress from that a little bit because that's something because I know that you have I have your students listening to this also sure yeah um so you know uh, when you are in MBBS um usually uh, the branches would divide into medical branches and surgical branches okay you know places where you operate and places where you don't operate and the earlier a student can make up their mind about which way they're inclined the easier it becomes to plan their career Okay. So you know, for me, very early on, right from my first MBBS, you know, uh, they actually send us to these uh, dissection halls, and we have to dissect up dead bodies and stuff, right. and that can be very, very traumatic and gruesome. Okay. okay? Um, but um, you know, if you like, go with the faith that you know this this dead body, even though it's a dead body, uh, you are learning on on it. And you know, right. if you have that uh, that you know uh, spiritual approach to it. um you it it sort of becomes easier to log, like you know uh, go through that uh, difficult part so at that point of time you know whether you like to cut into things or you don't cut into things so if sure. you like to okay. cut into things you can then select your group that you wanted to go through so for okay. example i i always wanted to become a surgeon so okay. right from my first mbbs i knew that my surgical branches had to be you know more pit pat i need to need to know my anatomy well i need to know my pathology well my you know surgery gynec ent ophthal everywhere we cut that had to be good sure okay so you know uh, this is this is something that you know students need to keep in mind okay. um, that uh, so, the so earlier you, make, you, you yeah. make that choice okay make an earlier choice and then sort of pick your subjects and groups absolutely accordingly absolutely. okay Absolutely. Uh, how did how did England happen? You know, at what point did you decide that you needed to sort of leave India and up upskill in 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 a foreign country? What was that journey about? So basically, um, it you know purely happened. So um, I'm really thankful um, to uh, one of my mother's friends, uh, who is also the friend of uh, who is also the mum of a very close friend of mine. Uh, she was a lady called as Doctor Mrs. Bhagwat. and um, around the time i was doing my third mbbs we we gone to visit them because her daughter was also doing her exams and i was also doing her exams and it was gynac and she was like going to give us a little tips on you know the gynac parts of the exams and stuff and um, they got talking and my mom basically ended up saying listen um, you know uh, we really are not practicing doctors so we don't have a hospital to give her and all when she passes out and um, that's when auntie said she said yeah but she doesn't have a hospital but she is excellent at her academics she doesn't sure. have to you know stick to here she can she she can have wider horizons why don't you get her to do this exam in england which is the mrcog exam she says she wants to do gynac so she can do her basic gynac here and then she can move on to england 
so right before i got into gynac the concept that i had to go at some point of time get get a qualification over and above what my colleagues here were getting mm-hmm. um you know the seed was planted then okay and uh, it was plant, planted at an early yeah. age okay please absolutely okay and and how how did that help you did you feel that the training in the uk really helped do you think it was worth it for you to leave india and and go abroad to get that sort of specialization absolutely 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 i um i cannot thank um that system um for whatever it has done for me uh, it it was difficult it was not easy uh, but you know um the big difference between the uk and the indian system is that in uk you are allowed to question the establishment sure and they teach you to question the establishment so right. you know one of the things that you that you learn so you not only grow as a doctor but you also grow as a person Sure. you are you are taught taught to question your own practice you are taught to audit your own practice and you know all those things are not part on parcel of training in india in sure. india what did i become in india i became an excellent surgeon so right. you know my operating skills my you know technical skills as a doctor came from india because purely because we have such a big population um, that you know purely there are like more patients to see and therefore sure. you tend to see more and therefore you you know practice makes you perfect ज्यूटलीके so the training in the uk you're saying imperative taught you how to sort of question the system etc then you came back to india and uh, you established cocoon so i want to understand a little bit about like how you and your sister sort of even came up with the idea you know take take us back to the early sort of formative days and you know for anyone who's a doctor here or in, in any sort of specialized field how do you go from being a specialist to then culminating into a business you know that's that's a big chasm for most people and you seem to have crossed it very successfully so i'd love for you to address that part so you know um uh, the entire ethos of cocoon uh, comes from the fact uh, that we wanted to get um, ethical and evidence based practice to india okay you know basically what would very typically happen in india is that a lot of uh, medical uh, advances or a lot of medical uh, you know um, methods would be put into practice um, not quite uh, looking at the hardcore evidence behind it sure whereas uh, you know um, anagha did a training completely in ireland i did my training completely in england and we were taught to take a look at the evidence behind it so only if there is an evidence should you know something be unleashed on the general population something of that sort sure um, okay. so, um we actually saw a gap there we hmm. saw that uh, you know we did not have um uh, we did not have a systematic approach to fertility care here we also that thought, saw that you know things like empathy were lacking big time okay um and you know so all these things and we had already trained abroad and you know um we come from a very very um you know um, nationalist family for us hmm. you know india uh, india is our like you know second love um and so when we came back uh, even even that was there at the back of our mind that we have to give back to my country sure. um, you know i have like gained from it so far sure um, absolutely and, uh, so okay, you know that, that is where the entire idea of cocoon came through 
Okay, so and, that, that I think that sentiment, I think I can, I also, you know, that resonates completely with me as Indians, uh, especially Indians who, you know, get trained here in India, then we go get some experience outside. Some, somewhere our heart still lies with the country. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when we see so vividly the differences between our system and a foreign system, you just want to bring all of that back to your own country, right? Absolutely. Because, you, you know, you have that foresight into, you know what you can plug, you know, and Absolutely. I think that, that really is beautiful. And you try to do that in, in your capacity. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to pick... Uh, sorry, um, you know, because I've only answered half of your question. It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. You know, being being hardcore doctors and coming back and trying to become a business person was not easy. Sure. Uh, because, you know, um, if you want to give a service, um, you need to look at both part of it. You you, you sure. need to be a good doctor, but you also need to make, uh, you know, you need to make, build make up a, a living. Team, you right. and, and you also have to make a living. So sure. um, that was a huge learning curve for the both of us. Sure. Okay, uh, I, I want you to get into some of these challenges. And I have a question here from uh, Uf of Mirchi who says, you know, uh, what were the, some of the challenges you faced? And what are some of the stigmas and myths? Okay, I think this is a really good point. Uh, thank you for asking that question. Uh, I mean, doctor, you know, I mean, we, we are Indians, we've grown up in this culture. Could you, you know, and since you sit on the, you know, on the seat every single day, what are some of the stigmas and myths, you know, that, that in our society have come around infertility, if you could just address that sort of elephant in the room um, and sort of de debunk the myths for us. See, um, you know, um, stigma and myth, it, it basically, so um, let me start by giving you an example. Okay. Uh, we are extremely intolerant as a society, as far as infertility is concerned. Any time a couple gets married and doesn't have a child at the end of a year and a half, the entire society starts sidelining them, ostracizing them. They go to a wedding and the woman would not be called, you know, ahead to maybe perform some sort of a part in the ritual or whatever. And these things do happen even today. Sure. So, and it doesn't matter what, uh, what you know, uh, background you come from. So, you know, the learning process started with my staff itself, you know, teaching sure. them empathy, uh, making sure that people have a non-judgmental approach towards, you know, dealing with infertile couples. Um, okay, that, so, that so you're saying start with. one of the myths is that people think, you know, uh, society where they feel like you get married in a certain amount of years, you should have a child. Absolutely. Um, is there a myth around like uh, infertility is the woman's issue and not the man's issue? Like, do you, do you see that? Uh, Absolutely. Is that myth? Okay. Absolutely. And you know, uh, this holds true no matter what part of the world you go to. Oh, the, really? woman okay. does, the woman does end up taking blame for being infertile because I think psychologically where she carries the baby for nine months, it is, it is thought to be her problem. Um, and it is not so. If you take a look at all the causes of infertility, about 40% of causes are uh, of female origin. About 40% of causes are of male origin. And 20% causes are either combined or unexplained. Well, you know, your general normal investigations haven't really given you an explanation for it. So therefore, 50% okay. of causes of infertility are purely of male origin. Oh, really? Okay. And it's quite difficult to get that across to a guy. Mm. You know, so being a female consultant out there, sitting in an infertility, uh, you know, uh, sitting in, a, in like a fertility uh, OPD and telling the guy, um, listen, sir, I think the problem that we have is with the sperm. Men tend to take it very personally. Ah. Because for them to be able to father a child, 
is a question you know not being able to father a child becomes a question on their masculinity sure of course and you know, okay. until that patriarchal attitude continues um, right. the society looking at infertility as a women's problem is going to continue happening okay. but having said that i have been back in india now since like you know uh, 2012 2013 um and i see slowly a change occurring in the society okay these days i see more husbands who are willing to be a part of the treatment uh, who are like you know willing to understand and act towards uh, getting uh, the uh, to the end point of having a baby along with their wife together okay this this is great i actually had no idea so you're saying uh, 50% of the cases are attributed to the man and 50% to the woman and then obviously yes. there's a gray area which we still don't have answers to yes okay uh, doctor is there a myth about uh, age could you debunk that myth for us you know is it is it what is this is it 20 like it seems to be like 40 is the new 20 is it 30 what tell us about this whole age factor because this comes up in okay. conversation all the time okay so age factor as far as the woman is concerned and as far as the man is concerned works a little differently Okay. So for a woman every woman is destined to have menopause. Okay. And about 10 years before she actually achieved her menopause her fertility potential has actually gone to being near zero. So if a woman got so if a woman got menopause at 53 years of age at around 43 44 her eggs were near zero. I see. And because every woman needs to attain menopause at some point of time there is a there is a biological clock in her body that makes sure that she loses eggs every month okay so even as a baby in her mom's womb she has already started losing her eggs okay okay, okay. so therefore you know when your grandma said try and get your first baby a little earlier she wasn't wrong okay fine <laughs> okay worryingly so asian women lose their eggs faster than caucasians do okay and that is where the big worry in our society comes through so when i sat in england if i had a 38 year old come in and say doctor want to have a baby she's you know um, um white english um completely a uh, different food lifestyle and stuff i'm more likely to get a good quality and good amount of eggs from her sure. than a 33 year old asian woman in india today sure okay I see. So uh, you know that is how the age works with women. So okay. ideally speaking, if somebody, so your best chances of having a baby are between the ages of twenty four and say thirty thirty two. Okay. You still have decent chances of getting a baby between uh, say thirty two to say thirty six. Thirty five downwards, we see a rapid decline of the egg content and the egg quality. Okay, great. I'm glad you. I'm glad you addressed this because uh, you know. A, a lot of uh, millennials a lot of sort of you know working professionals like me we sort of uh, debunk this myth in our heads right we just say oh of course age is just a number you know 40 is the new 20 but clearly from from what you're seeing from a practical perspective um it's a reality your age is your reality and it does Absolutely. matter if you want to have babies Absolutely no but you know there are there are ways and means around it Okay so typically um, girls are no longer subservient to anybody today girls right. are going out in the world and achieving a lot more than what probably boys of our generation are sure you know um, look at you for instance and look at our like entire group you know sure. those women are like really really high achievers right, now if right. a woman wants to prioritize her career over a family 
but mm-hmm. she wants a family at some point of time she yeah. has the option of freezing her eggs open okay, okay great. can you address this because i had this question from ed m gursahani who says could you talk okay. a little bit about egg freezing and how it works so please go ahead yes of course so basically uh, when you are younger um, you go through stimulation of the ovaries like we would do for an um, iv uh, for an ivf cycle so the lady basically comes in gets an investigations done we do a sonography to make sure that the ovaries are, are are like in a decent state we give her some injections to try and coax her ovaries to form more eggs and okay. once that happens uh, what then we do is that um, we wait till the follicles mature with the eggs inside them and she goes through a small procedure called as the egg collection procedure okay now at egg collection procedure we empty the ovaries and collect all the eggs that we get and okay. these eggs can now be frozen and we freeze frozen. them and okay. we keep them at 196 degrees centigrade minus wow. in liquid nitrogen and okay. i can leave them at that stage forever okay the, so there's no shelf life to these eggs no shelf life to these eggs and okay. even if this lady now at her age of 37 comes and says doctor i'm now i have like you know done my career I've, i'm financially stable now found the right guy i now want to have the babies all i have to do is thaw her eggs get the husband to give me some sperm create the babies in my lab and transfer the babies and she goes ahead and has a baby and when oh, wow. i do this when i do this even at her age of 37 i have got babies that are essentially of you know i have got eggs essentially of a 26 25 27 year old that and egg quality, quality is still absolutely the quality of the embryo is then what i would have naturally got at that age but i now have the benefit of getting it at the age of 37 38 i see okay so for anyone looking to like sort of you know especially for a lot of our students who are very career focused if they're thinking of having children later on in their lives ideal if they sort of just free this their eggs mid Absolutely. to late 20s and then you can sort of use them Absolutely. um 24 as long as 24 to 28 24 to 28 is an ideal time to actively think about uh, egg storage uh, okay. by the time of by the time you're 34 you should hopefully have stored some eggs i see okay great the okay, earlier the better earlier the better okay cuz the quality yeah. of the egg is better okay absolutely uh, i want to read out some compliments for you dr sonali says very good and important information shared thank you sonali question uh, comments it's great to see how much our society has progressed if people are opting for fertility treatments absolutely sanjeev thank you uh comment here from ufmirchi says what you're doing is amazing helping parents and thousands of families great thank you for that i have another compliment here you look so happy go lucky i don't believe you are a doctor <laughs> absolutely okay great thank you all for those interactions and your comments um yeah follow up question here about the sperm's age so for for the for the female you said you just sort of freeze it lifelong absolutely okay so with the sperm also um the male age does make a difference so okay. older fathers tend to uh, so you know partners of older fathers tend to have more miscarriages partners of older fathers tend to have babies who will develop uh, problems like diabetes when these babies grow up um and um you know uh, older fathers um, also tend to pass on more uh, genetically abnormal uh, dna to their uh, offsprings the reason being as men age um the dna in their sperm develops breakages which is called as dna fragmentation and therefore uh, the ideal time for a man to have uh, a baby should be preferably before the age of 
so men are slightly more luckier they have like 10 more years uh, in their uh, you know um, okay. uh, in their pocket over what like we have uh, okay. but in the ideal world 45 is the right age and um, fertility preservation for males is also very important so you know very typically if a guy um, develops diabetes earlier on in life or god forbid either a guy or a girl develops cancer or something then egg freezing and sperm freezing also become options for these people i see okay okay so the sperm uh, the sperm freezing is also an option absolutely and it works the same way it's got a lifelong shelf life absolutely once you okay. freeze them you actually put them in suspended animation Okay. and therefore you can just revive them at like a later date uh, with a with a good quality thawing protocol in place okay so and would you recommend again i think we have a question here from bina asking is there a difference in girls age and boys age so for the sperm freezing also would you say that the late 20s also for men or is it okay to extend earlier the better again earlier the better earlier the better okay okay great uh, bina i hope that answered your question i'm going to pick up this question here from sonali who says are there any complications of having pregnancy after 35 years even if the eggs have been frozen earlier okay so uh, as you grow older your pregnancy does tend to be more complicated because with age your tendency of developing diabetes has naturally increased with age your tendency of developing blood pressure has naturally increased over and above that there is the stress of carrying a baby for 9 months so sure. older mothers generally tend to have preeclampsia blood blood pressure problems uh, diabetes in pregnancy problems they also tend to have more incidences of thyroid problems during pregnancy sure. um, there there are you no know, labors tend to be longer they are more okay. likely to end up with a cesarean section so yes age age does affect even uh, you know pregnancy itself and also the mode of delivery okay okay great i i, I think we've got a, a a pretty good insight into age um doctor i i know on the website it, you know there are lots of other methods uh, you know you, you guys are, have other treatments if you could talk a little bit about some other treatments and uh, i'd love for you to touch a little bit about surrogacy um i know you have done cases because we've spoken about this so a little bit about surrogacy how that works and you know your thoughts on it okay so um basically uh, the you know um so when a when a couple decides to have a baby depending on what medi- you know medically what they are faced faced with the problems that they are faced with treatment can be as simple as lifestyle modification make sure that their micronutrient and like you know their uh, vitamin uh, levels are brought up to scratch um and then um just supporting them through trying at the right time so you know uh, okay. trying to make you know uh, advise them to try at the time when the egg is mature and about to rupture and things like that and okay. quite a few people do fall pregnant at that stage so non invasive uh, just sort of consulting yeah, and something absolutely okay. uh, where you do have uh, sperm problems um, there are treatments like iui which are available so you know the sperm um, is less in quantity or uh, the swimming capacity of the sperm is less it's not too less but it's borderline less then what we would normally do is we would like coax the woman's uh, ovary with some tablets maybe some injections to try and grow a few extra eggs and what she would normally do because normally a woman will go grow one egg per month uh, in okay. a cycle so we try and coax it uh, coax it to go up to say two or three or maybe four per and uh, a per cycle and at the time when it's going to rupture uh, we take the sperm we wash it uh, uh, the procedure is called as sperm prep and we pick up the best quality uh, normal form best swimming sperms from that we concentrate it down to a very tiny amount maybe like 0.3 ml or something 
and it is directly put inside the womb of the woman okay. so now the sperm has to travel less distance can meet with the egg earlier on and therefore chances of pregnancy increase okay but when there are major problems so you know a couple has tried for more than 3 years and things have not worked or previous uh, treatments have been of a failure or the sperm is uh, not of a great quality at all so you have got a really bad counts so or poor motility um, or you know the egg quality or the egg number is really bad then these couples will end up having ivf so ivf is necessarily you know uh, as i said for uh, egg freezing uh, you know coaxing the ovary to form follicles collecting the eggs outside getting the sperm to mix with the egg outside in our lab to form a baby and okay. then transferring this baby back into the womb so I these see. are the basic treatments that are available but okay, we so also just to be clear the iui the, the baby is still formed within the mother's womb etc yes. and the and the ivf the baby is formed externally baby and then sort of fertilized i see okay yeah. great absolutely so um basically um you know uh, the, these are the basic treatments that a that a fertility doctor will deal with okay, but then sure. we have got higher end treatments so we have a higher end uh, things that interventions that we would do in our lab so for example uh, you know when the baby doesn't stick and we believe that it's because the covering of the woman's egg is very uh, hard um we can do something called as laser hatching of the embryo so we like you know thin out the covering of the embryo so that it is like able to stick easily um okay. or then um you know uh, we've got things like pixi which allows us to pick up a sperm which has the which has the capacity of uh, sticking to an egg because you know if the sperm doesn't stick to that to an egg it is not going to be able to form a baby so in okay, pixi uh, we can actually pick up a specific uh, sperm Um, okay. and then we have uh, genetic treatments at the other end. So you know, people who keep getting recurrent miscarriages, sometimes the embryos are not genetically stable. So sure. we have uh, we have facilities where we can collect one cell from that embryo which is forming, send it off for gen- genetic testing, and if it ends up testing uh, for abnormal uh, you know karyotype, uh, abnormal number of chromosomes and DNA, uh, we then avoid uh, transferring that embryo. so okay. therefore only healthy embryos can be transferred and therefore our success rate goes up okay all right great so so ivf iui sort of more stable sort of treatments and then a series of options of more advanced treatments yes um can we touch a little bit about uh, surrogacy you know and, and and why in india do they sort of outlaw surrogacy and then they say okay now it's actually legal like what 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 is the you know the ethical issue around Uh, another woman carrying the baby and and where do you stand you know on this debate okay um so um as a doctor and as a fertility doctor i believe that it is every couple's right to become parents and there are certain couples who genuinely have a problem carrying their own child so you know some poor woman who has had multiple operations on her womb because she had fibroids or you know who has had her womb removed because of cancer she is never going to be able to carry her own child Sure. or you know somebody who had tb as a child and the and the tb has completely destroyed the cavity of her womb this sure. woman is not going to be able to carry her child and she deserves to um, have the right to have a child because you know even your charter of human rights article 12 says that you have a you have a you have a right to propagate sure okay and um, therefore as a doctor when i have a treatment with which i can help my patients i would love to do it Okay. Now coming to where we stand with surrogacy. So surrogacy is basically when somebody's pregnancy, somebody's embryo is carried by some other woman for nine months. She delivers and she hands the baby to the couple. 
okay now this can be done altruistically somebody can do it right from you know from the goodness of their heart or like in india we could have commercial surrogacy now the problem comes is when you have commercial surrogacy uh, the problem is how do you make sure that the rights of the surrogate and the rights of the couple are safeguarded mm-hmm. so unless you have a legal framework in which you fit your treatments it is very difficult to go ahead and do things sure because you know there are ethical guidelines but there also need to be legal guidelines so for example suppose if we have a foreigner couple so now in india uh, surrogacy for foreigners has been completely banned okay i can do surrogacy for an indian couple who is staying in india on indian passport i cannot do surrogacy for a couple who comes from abroad on a foreign passport or even if they have got their oci cards uh, is Because there a, is there a legal structure around uh, the cost for this sort of treatment like is there a, a minimum mandatory amount that you have to sort of uh, pay the person who carries the baby or anything like that um unfortunately at the present times no and that is okay. where the worry of extortion of the surrogate during commercial surrogacy comes from and that is the reason why our government went about trying to frame the surrogacy law in the first place so the surrogacy okay. law is going to take a look at who is allowed to do surrogacy uh you know who is allowed to become a surrogate um we do not know yet whether they are going to be um allowing continuation of uh, uh you know um commercial surrogacy in india or not but okay. even if they do they would have a strict framework about minimum amount to be paid minimum care to be given for example when we go ahead with surrogacy uh, we do make sure that you know we have a full medical cover in place for that lady who's going to become a surrogate for one of my patients we work with agencies that are like registered with the government icmr um, and you know uh, we also have all checks in place we have uh, we have facilities for emergency medical access for the surrogates so you know as long okay. so most of the centers are now going to have to make these available before they would be sure. given license to conduct surrogacy treatments so it is okay. still a bill it it sort of needs still still needs to go through both the houses and it needs to be ratified uh, but hopefully we will have some really nice framework in place to make it easy okay great i think that's a uh, very enlightening and uh, it helps us get a sense of you know w- what the dilemma really is and what you know why is it such a big deal okay thank you for sharing uh, your views on that i'm going to pick up a question here this is kamab actually a couple of people have asked about costs um if you could you know throw some light on how expensive are the other various treatments you spoke about you know just just to get a sense of like you know i want a baby but how much is this going to set me back yeah absolutely so um you know the the costs are actually quite variable mm-hmm. um even if you take the ivf treatment itself the cost varies the reason being um the injections that i have to use so um multiple factors there but let us take in- injections as an example okay so i can have a lady who is say mrs abc who's going to need injections at say the dose of uh, 200 uh, for 8 days and a um, mrs xyz will need the injections at a dose of say 450 for 15 days sure and therefore there is a wide variation in the costs of uh, of you know the injections that go in itself the injections obviously the cost of that is regulated by the pharma industry and whatever their mrps are right and at an average the injections that a person needs during ivf can range um, anywhere between um, say um say 65 to uh, a lakh 65000 to a lakh okay and therefore ivf by itself does tend to be a costlier treatment 
again there okay. are costs that, that that like you know the lab is going to incur so, so the end to end yeah average cost yeah so average cost across the spectrum across india is probably um, around 1.8 okay 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 uh, depending upon the stimulation that you use it can be done in a in, in like a cheaper way um okay. so you're saying anywhere uh, from like uh, at the lower end it could be let's say a lakh or so and it could go up to what price like you know in your experience it could it could go up to so uh, again so it is it is like you know buying your uh, your like standard generic jeans whereas uh, walking into a levis and buying a jeans there sure. okay so it is the same jeans probably made in the same factory but you will end up paying a premium in levis so sure. it also makes a different where difference where you having your treatment of course okay okay so but so, you're saying broadly in a lakh or lakh lakh and a half to two the treatment is lakh and a half to two any decent ivf center that yeah. uses good quality materials that sure. uses good quality injectables so injectables also you have the pure ones and you have the impure ones so people who use urinary uh, you know injections are able to give the treatment at a much lower cost okay uh, people who use highly purified injections or recombinant injections which are the purest form will tend to have slightly higher costs but then okay. the purer form of injection that you use the better quality of egg that you get and the better the success of getting a baby of course okay so it depends so on the know, equipment yeah. the doctor you go to the clinic absolutely. the experience absolutely okay many absolutely. factors but but roughly uh, for the people who ask the question Um, 1.5 to 1.5 to 2 uh, will be with a decent IVF center, depending upon the amount of injections that you need. Okay, great. Thank you for addressing that, uh, doctor. If we could just address some general, you know, lifestyle tips you have for people who want to have a baby. The question from Bina saying, "Is it true that you should give up on alcohol when you want to conceive? Is this a myth or reality? And you know, what 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 do you recommend?" Okay, I mean, so um, okay, so. Um, If I take a look at my medical books, okay, smoking is a complete no-no. You cannot be smoking um, either a tobacco or any of the recreational um, drugs that people smoke. You cannot be doing any of that if you're trying for a baby. Absolutely okay. a no. So smoking With is a no. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to alcohol, um, obviously, um, I have worked in England, and uh, social drinking is the norm. It's it's like the lifestyle there. so therefore if i if i like sit in england i would normally say okay you could have maybe like you know one small glass of wine a week or something and wow. uh, that is like all that that you know you would be allowed um but in india again uh, the answer tends to be a no and the reason for that is that indians as i explained to you tend to have a poorer fertility potential as compared to caucasians or or africans so wow. we tend to do poorly as far as our like so even though we are a billion plus right you know people who have found it difficult to fall pregnant the infertile population that we have tends sure. to do, do poorly as compared to the infertile population abroad i see so so you are like you know a standard african patient or your uh, standard uh, white caucasian patient would give you better uh, outcomes than your standard asian patient will okay so you are saying in general even in india given the fertility rates and circumstances uh, best avoided best avoided until so normally what i tell the husband is that show me that your wife is pregnant with a heartbeat for the baby that that she's carrying in her womb and then you can go and celebrate with a glass of wine if you want oh wow okay so for both men and women yeah. absolutely same rules apply no alcohol absolutely. for both and no smoking for both absolutely absolutely okay. 
okay i love how this is sort of e- e- equalizing the the gender constructs we have in our mind right like typically you see like uh, i i see this with all my friends you know the woman is pregnant the guy is out partying and you know or they're trying oh, to the couple is trying to conceive and okay great i'm and, i'm and glad you that is like so unfair you know because even she wants to party of and course. you know it is not a responsibility it is a two team job sure okay great i'm th- i'm glad you touched upon this uh, picking up a quick question here from merkaba uh, oh great approximately how expensive is the storage of sperms and eggs and how much of uh, does it cost to sort of preserve the eggs thereafter this is a great question so the okay. actual process and then the yeah. sort of storage process okay so the ops, the other actual process of uh, egg collection and egg freezing um, is slightly lesser than the cost of your ivf because here we are not forming the babies sure okay so we are just collecting the eggs and we are freezing so uh, the um, so basically the lab costs of creating an embryo and transferring the embryo and all that doesn't happen so most centers will give you egg collection and egg freezing at a slightly lower rate at what they would give you ivf so we're talking about eggs sperm interchangeably right it's is the same no so i'm now talking only eggs because that tends to I be a little costlier because okay. the lady has to have injection she has to go through the process of collecting eggs and then the eggs need to be so the eggs are very very fragile they need to be uh, stored on the special straws uh, and you know uh, freezing eggs is also a very very complex procedure so you need excellent expertise in your lab to do that touch point you know i mean uh, we have like preeti at our end who's who's like a uh, who's, who's like a wizard with this Okay. So, you know, so, uh, so yeah. with eggs is more complicated. Yes, uh, if absolutely. It's sperm, it's 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 cheaper. Yeah. So uh, it is cheaper with sperm, and we also request that the guy gives more than one sample. Okay. Okay. And for the guy, he doesn't need to take any injections. There is no operation to collect those sperm. He yeah. just comes in. He just produces his sample on site. The sample okay. goes to our lab for like a quick check, and then we process it, and then it gets frozen. So okay. it is much so, easier. So roughly, what would be the cost of the the sperm collection and then the storage? Um, hardly anything. Uh, equal to maybe one meal at a five star. So I I mean, is, does that mean like less than around ten thousand rupees? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, absolutely. and the and the and the maintenance cost of the bank, like or whatever you guys uh-huh. call the. Yeah, so uh, we don't have a bank. We are actually an um, we are actually an IVF uh, clinic. Uh, because when you say bank, uh, it has a completely different, uh, you know, um, meaning to it, and I'll like come to that in a second. Um, okay. So uh, the maintenance cost is generally a very small amount per year, um, okay. but ten or twenty thousand max, depending on how many samples and uh, how they have been stored. So okay. you know, uh, sometimes the samples have to be split stored. Sometimes they have to be, um, you know, double washed, and that like depends from patient to patient. Okay. Okay, great, Merkaba. I hope that answered your question, uh, Doctor. Going back to a little bit about the this, the career, you know, in itself, um, for people who are uh, you know considering medicine or uh, you know a super specialization such as yours, what advice would you give to them? You know, what what is you know you've been through this, right? You've been through the journey, as you said yourself. It's a uh, it comes across as glamorous. People think you know you hit thirty five or so, and you're sort of you've made it. uh tell us you know from your practical experience what what advice do you have for someone young who would like to see themselves in your footsteps what's the reality of this career okay um it is a great job to do uh the satisfaction of being able to sit with a couple and tell them 
okay the test is positive and i'm going to scan and take a look at your baby or babies depending on how many you've conceived maybe in 10 days time that is probably the happiest thing that we do in our job sure okay and uh, you know the the so, satisfaction so high, is high customer amazing. satisfaction of course absolutely absolutely okay but behind that satisfaction is years and years and years of hard work you know ivf is not something that you learn overnight ivf is not something that you go and do a course for like you know 15 days and come back and start your own center and do it you know you might have money you might go abroad do like a one month course and come back ivf is not about it ivf right. is a lot about you know um getting your basics in place ivf is a lot about so basically if you ask me yes i have been uh, i have been an ivf consultant i have been doing ivf say like for the last 12 13 years now but i believe that with each patient that i see i'm still learning today there are times when i see a patient and i actually say to her there is this bit about your problem that i'm going to go and let read the latest research about and come back and then we deal with it wow you know so okay. um, so basically um, people just see the glamour of it you know people just see that you know ivf consultants have a great lifestyle so for example if you know i decide to meet you tomorrow for a cup of coffee i can just shut shop uh, at like you know 4 o'clock and i'll I, and i can be with you by 6 you know sure. uh, that, that's because ivf has no emergencies we don't we have no emergencies in my field sure. and i can do that but um, to be able to get here okay i have i have like you know um uh, studied my socks off mm-hmm. and uh, i have like you know actually um, so even now when we get difficult patients it's like me and anaka on the phone with each other or you know me with like my rest of my doctors so we we do have this telephone consults with each other even now and okay. uh, and we 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 you know work hard even now so okay. um, the glamour is great but that but our work needs to be put in um like a short course and only because you've got money you go and you put up set up your lab uh you do that you are not well prepared you will not get results word of mouth will not bring you your next next patients and that okay. is what you know people need to realize so yes it's a mm. great field but please be prepared to put in the hard work that needs to go with it okay so high customer satisfaction of course very rewarding at the soul level but clearly you have put in and you and your sister both have put in years and Absolutely. years and years of dedication Absolutely. um okay uh do you want to touch a little bit about your expansion plan so you know you obviously you've mastered the art of you know producing the baby and now you guys are sort of you know scaling up the venture i know you have six uh, clinics already in india expanding to three or four more by the end of this year you talked about a little bit of expansion into uganda and africa uh what's on your mind how are you guys planning this sort of expansion and why um the why is the easy part um how is the difficult part um okay. why purely because um we know that the clinical excellence that we give in cocoon is something that i believe should be uh, made available uh, on a wider scale um so uh, we now have very robust protocols in place we have clinical protocols we have got lab sops we we actually have our like you know sop booklets in place sure. uh, we have our kpis in place we keep auditing ourselves uh, so you know um, we have some weekly audits we have some monthly audits we have some six monthly audits and we keep improving on our um, on our you know work um, as we go along and um 
our you know success speaks for itself so um, we have this little ceremony that we do for anybody who gets pregnant and we're discharging so you know very typically a person uh, um, a couple with us gets pregnant and uh, we do their first uh, pregnancy scan we see the baby we see the heartbeat everything is fine and because we don't do deliveries we normally send them back to the doctor that send the patient to us in the first place or we yeah. send the patient to a doctor of her choice but before she goes we have this little cake cutting ceremonies with like you know um uh, confetti and stuff at times and stuff um and um we do that almost twice or thrice a week wow. so whatever okay. we are doing we are like obviously doing a good job of it sure and if and if i'm able to do it in my in like my current five or six centers i should be able to give that to people of india at other places too and that sure. is where the, that is where the need to expand came from you know sure. uh, obviously uh, the satisfaction from running a decent business comes in it um, sure. but uh, the satisfaction as a doctor of being able to bring my expertise out to a wider forum um, really is what like you know uh, takes both like me and anaka off into wanting to do this how sure. are we doing it um, it's difficult it's not easy it's really not easy um so the company has got um, certain centers which are company owned company operated coco models uh, we have foco models we've got a franchise owned company operated models into our expansion we also have franchise owned franchise operated models uh, we are looking more for the foco type of model because uh, now that the expansions are happening uh, farther away from home base um that makes more sense so you know remote okay. control uh, of operations uh, with us giving all sorts of um, you know technical backup um makes more sense than being hands on with operations at that end and uh, it is uh, it is it is working quite decently well with our like you know current uh, fofos that we have in place so that's sure. the way that we're looking to go ahead okay so uh, clearly you see the the need for this and uh, you have the expertise so this is a great combination of you know serving a market need and you and your sister and your need entire team there. need is, need is absolutely, absolutely there you know, absolutely. The, uh, you know the uh, the ernst young report and the subsequent uh, reports that came through followed on with like different agencies uh, estimate a 29 million infertile couples in india today wow wow okay so 29 million infertile couples in india today our social structure is such that they are most of them are not coming to ask for help sure okay they are like yeah, still, yeah, it's still a taboo absolutely. right so you know sure. uh, that like you know taboo is keeping them away the ones sure. that are coming for help they don't have enough good quality centers offering full range of services Sure. So, for example, you go to some place. They might do only IVF. Sure. They wouldn't have facilities for ICSI. They won't sure, have facilities sure. for like freezing. Sure. Okay. Great. Uh, Doctor, the session has been extremely insightful. Uh, Abel says really insightful session. Bhakti says brilliant session. Very insightful. Merkaba, this has been one amazing and real life informative session, helpful to the core. Okay. Great. I'm going to let Doctor go. Uh, she's been super generous with her time. and uh doctor i've learned so many things and you know you've really helped uh, debunk so many myths uh, your journey reeks of passion and commitment and uh, i'm very thankful for people like you who help others uh, reach their dreams and you know you take home a life i mean it's just you know you for me doctors always i tell people you know they're like god you know on on earth and really talking to you has been a conversation for me with god itself so this has been fabulous thank you so much uh, really touched my soul and my heart thank you doctor Uh, Thank you so much. It was absolutely fantastic being on your forum. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my evening. Thank you, thank Take you, Doctor. Care and 
and please please keep doing the fantastic work that you do i i do attend your evenings quite often um and you know the the wide range of experts that you bring on is absolutely amazing thank you doctor all thanks thanks to uh, friends like you and the support thank you so much